I'm Jazz Garrett from the capital city on KINY. The Moose Lodge joined Capital Chat to talk about their annual Save the Tatas event this Saturday at 6 p.m. Myrna Gardner, president of the Moose Lodge and creator of the event, talks about the fundraiser. So we're really excited. This is the sixth annual Save the Tatas. It's a fundraising event where we do outcry auctions and silent auctions and people decorate bras. We have games and activities, educational games about, you know, facts regarding breast cancer and the and how you can get it and how you can er do early detection. And what it is is to help the Breast Cancer Detection Center of Alaska's mobile mammogram program, which is really important because that ban goes out to all of our villages in Southeast Alaska and helps women who don't have health care able to get a mammogram. And we know that with a mammogram, there's the opportunity for early detection, which we know can help save lives. Rick Pruitt, auctioneer, gives some details on the outcry and silent auction. There is tours by Coastal Helicopters and North Star Helicopters, gift baskets from Jerry's Meats and the Bears Lair and the Fudge Company, and there's kayaking tours by Above and Beyond. There's gift baskets from Ben Franklin's store. There is cooking classes um, at Jorgensen House. NAO is providing gift baskets. There's gold belt tram passes, there's trips out to Icy Straits to ISP for Neighbor Day, there's seafood baskets. I'll be donating some of my own stuff, my famous Alaskan Kraken smoked octopus. You do not need to be a Moose member to attend the event. What we do is we obtain a special permit so that it's open to the public and you can purchase your ticket at the door to participate in it and it is like I said, it's open to the public and we love everybody showing up. And Gardner shares why she started Save the Tatas. In 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer oh. and I went through surgery and um, 16 weeks of radiation and it was pretty horrific, but I survived it and, you know, I got my five-year marker and so that's really fantastic. But if it wasn't for that early detection, I may not have had the same results. So... I took it upon myself that this is something so important that I started championing this fundraiser. And over the last six years, our members have just risen up and the community has to help support it because without that early detection, you don't know. So, General Manager of Alaska Seaplanes, Carl Ramseth, speaks to a change that will take place next month. Alaska Seaplanes is halting Wrangell and Petersburg service November 1st. It's unfortunate. It's not something that we wanted to do. It's been a, a difficult decision and comes after much deliberation. But ultimately, as our employees know with firsthand knowledge of the traffic on these routes, there just isn't the traffic necessary to sustain it financially. Um, we don't carry any mail there and very little cargo, and that just compounds the challenge to continued scheduled service to those two communities. They will still be available for charter to the communities. The last day of accepting cargo to Wrangell or Petersburg through Alaska Seaplanes is October 28th. Ramses says they gave the communities time to gain traction, but unfortunately it didn't happen. It'll be 31 months in Petersburg that we serve, served Petersburg um, directly from Juneau, and then we added a flight from Sitka to Petersburg. For Wrangell, it'll have been 17 months of service. Um, again, it wasn't our plan to, to stop 
serving those communities when we entered them. The limited traffic just got to a point where we were unable to continue with those flights. He thanks the communities for the support they did receive, and he looks to future possibilities. Yeah, we look forward to, you know, someday um, under different economic conditions, um, we hope to be able to, to start service again to those communities. Coming up, yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day. That story next with News of the North. to News of the North. I'm Jazz Garrett. That was the Clinket Culture, Language, and Literacy students performing at the Elizabeth Paradovich Hall yesterday for an Indigenous Peoples Day healing event. The Presbyterian Church, Northwest Coast Presbyterity, and Northern Light United Church made a formal apology for the racist closure of the Reverend Dr. Walter Soboloff's Memorial Presbyterian Church in 1963. The church also made reparations in the form of payments to Native groups for language revitalization and other causes. Everyone was invited. The group's effort addresses a very old wound delivered to Soboloff that was also suffered by his widespread congregation. Along with the dance performance, the Indigenous Peoples Day healing event included a lunch, video presentations, beginning of repair, summary of reparations and ongoing commitments, a presentation to Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, acceptance by Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, a presentation to Clinket and Haida, and an acceptance by Clinket and Haida. President of Clinket and Haida, Richard Peterson, said it was the first time he saw accountability with the apology. He also said he felt like he saw their ancestors in the dance performance by the Clinket Culture, Language, and Literacy students. Heather Parker, a board member of the nonprofit Juno World Affairs Council, joined Capital Chat to discuss an upcoming forum this weekend. Well, this weekend we're hosting a forum. It's called Immigration, Detention, and Power, Addressing Bias and Prejudice. It's done in partnership with the University of Alaska Southeast, and it's going to be at the University of Alaska Southeast Egan Lecture Hall um, October 13th and 14th. She gives more details on who the speakers are. So we're bringing in five speakers from around the United States who are all coming in um, for this event. Professor Warren Binford, uh, who's a professor in Colorado. Dr. William Arocha, who's a professor at Middlebury. Um, Heidi Sarnica, who kind of works on the front lines in El Paso. Ari Cohen, who runs a um, organization in Kentucky that's based on compassionate policies, and then Dr. Mara Kimmel, who is going to provide an Alaska perspective. Okay. And we're talking about just a wide range of topics, and people have opportunities to meet with speakers and ask questions.
The Alaska Department of Education and Early Development has developed an online tool to help schools, districts, communities, and elected officials address the state's high rate of teacher turnover. It released the Teacher Recruitment and Retention Playbook in September. The state began a working group to address teacher recruitment and retention in April of 2020. The group identified recommendations that have been compiled in the playbook. Barbara Adams, a consultant for the state, worked on the recommendations. She said that after developing a series of insights on teacher hiring and retention, the group decided that including recommendations for everyone involved in education was crucial. They came up with the playbook, an online document that is sorted by subject and includes potential actions that can be taken by different groups like school districts, communities, the state's education department, and legislators. Low-interest federal disaster loans are available to Alaska businesses and residents affected by the glacier outburst flooding that occurred August 4th, announced by the U.S. Small Business Administration. SBA acted under its own authority to declare a disaster following the September 26th FEMA denial of a major disaster declaration for individual assistance and the state's request for an SBA administrative disaster declaration received on October 4th. Residents impacted between August 4th and August 6th are eligible. The SBA Disaster Center is set up at the Diamond Park Aquatic Center and it will be available in person there until October 24th. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jazz Garrett.